guys. Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. It is your Thursday, November 3rd episode. This is Jake Burns, your host. I am doing a little intro to tell you that I'm actually not going to be doing the show today. I have an outpatient surgery tomorrow, and uh, the prep for it has been a little brutal tonight, so I'm not really feeling up to a 40-minute recording session. So uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that uh, I am going to pass it over to the OBR Weekly Show with Barry McBride, with Fred Greetham. Actually, no, Fred is not on this one. It's Andrew Spade, Barry McBride, and then Brad Ward jumps in. A bunch of the OBR cast is here. It's a great show, and I apologize for not having the usual fresh content you're looking for today, but uh, life's a little too chaotic, and I still wanted to get you something that was original here. So uh, many of you may not have gotten to the OBR Weekly, so I want to replay that for you. That's a Twitch show on Wednesday nights, so check that out if you're interested. Otherwise, I'll be back still with Jordan, still with Jared, and still with John throughout the late week and into the weekend. So you will get that usual content if that's what you're looking for. Again, apologies. Life a little chaotic right now. We'll be back tomorrow. So check in with me then. I'm going to get over now to the OBR Weekly with the, the uh, OBR cast. So enjoy this, and I will check in with you guys tomorrow. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
Good evening, Browns fans, and welcome to OBR Weekly. This is November 2nd of 2022, and we are here to discuss the Cleveland Browns bye and the uh, victory over the Cincinnati Bengals by a runaway margin of 32 to 13. It was pretty amazing watching it. Uh, hello, Red Leader. I see you out there on Twitter. Uh, we track all your comments here, and as you guys know, uh, this is a comment and question-driven show. I come here with some questions and roundtable topics and stuff like that that we can talk about, but uh, really, it's we're relying on you guys to tell us what you want to hear, what you want to talk about, what questions you have. Now, as opposed to the disinformation, which is all over social media, uh, such as the tweeter, uh, we do not have Andrew Spade with us tonight. Andrew's taking the night off and joining we, me tonight is the newest member of the OBR. I guess tied with Tyler Maines for that designation, but uh, newest member of the OBR, Mr. Brad Ward. How you doing, Brad? I'm excellent, Barry. I'm thrilled to uh, be here with you and uh, first time on here and this is, this is great. Yeah, you said uh, somebody commented there that... Uh, Andrew looks like Brad Ward. Uh, yeah, no, no costume. It's just me. Just just uh, Brad Ward in the flesh. And uh, uh, Fred will be with us in a little bit. Uh, he uh, has another engagement. He's undoubtedly volunteering at a hospital or, or, or something, something Fred-like, uh, and is not here tonight. But he'll join us soon enough, and we'll get him into the conversation. Brad, uh, great uh, night on Monday night, Tough. Halloween plus a Cleveland Browns victory. Um, can't get any better than that. Cannot get any better than that. The team right now sort of thinks that they are still in the mix in the AFC North. Um, and who's to argue with them, right? We've got uh, a two and one record in the division. Granted, it's three and five overall, but we're doing pretty well in the division. What about you? Uh, do you do you think that the the Browns have a realistic opportunity at this point to contend in the AFC North? Um, I do. I, I don't know. Listen, I, I think they have a chance, right? Like, I don't know how realistic it is to win the division, but I think they have a chance. So, I mean, the AFC is wild. It's goofy this year. There's crazy stuff happening every week, and I don't really think that the Bengals and Ravens are particularly good enough to just run away with it. Um, I think there's a chance they lose some games that maybe they should win along the way and leave the door open for the Browns. And, and that win, they had to have it against the Bengals, right? The Bengals are 0-3 in the division, I believe. Um, mm. You know, that leaves the door open. Browns get a bye week. But, you know, besides the Bills and the Chiefs, I just see a, a bunch of teams that are very similar in the AFC that could mm -hmm. lose a couple in a row, that could win a couple in a row. So I think the door's open. I think there's a lot of football to be played, and so I do think they have a chance still, absolutely. Well, that is encouraging and optimistic. We haven't always been able to be that way on this show, especially for <laughs> the last month until – until Monday. Hey, we have got a, a subscription, a hype train that might be rolling here. OG Philly just uh, did five gifted subs. Thank you, OG Philly. Really appreciate it. Um, you know, we don't do advertisements and, and a bunch of stuff like that on these shows. We're driven by the subscriptions and we're driven by the interaction. 
and Red Leader with five gifted as well. That is just awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Really, really appreciate it. And we're going to keep talking, Browns, uh, while you guys uh, uh, funnel us some questions and some comments, you know, sort of what you want to talk about. Um, since Fred is here, uh, Fred is not here, rather, uh, I'm going to take the opportunity to answer some of these questions as well. Usually what we do, Brad, is uh, I ask questions and Fred talks and I shut up as much as possible and that makes the show better. Well, without Fred here, I see an opportunity to get my own opinions in. So let's roll. Absolutely. <laughs> I, uh, I think the Browns are still in it. Uh, I'm still optimistic, but, and I agree with uh, Manimal on this, you know, what he just posted, uh, that uh, they got to win two out of the next three yeah. to have a chance. They need to be five and six by the time Deshaun shows up, right? And these next three games, uh, they they host the Bucks, the Buccaneers. That's very winnable, in my opinion. Uh, they go to Buffalo. Now, barring a snowstorm uh, of Phil Dossian uh, levels, uh, I don't see them winning that game. Uh, so that's one and one, which makes this Miami game super critical. Yeah. And Miami just loaded up with some trades. Two is playing well. He's he's back. You know, uh, hopefully he doesn't have any concussion issues again. He's a force to contend with. Um, I think we absolutely have to go two and one, and that is not, you know, in my opinion, a very simple task here, Brad. No, it's not. And uh, they certainly made it tougher. You know, uh, the you know the Dolphins, I think, are beatable, especially coming off a of bye week. There's some things they do. Um, their defense right now was is a little banged up. I know they add Bradley Chubb, which is a huge difference maker, obviously. But, you know, their secondary has been a little suspect and banged up. They do a lot of that, you know, zero, uh, zero blitz stuff. Uh, they're very aggressive. Uh, they kind of open themselves up to uh, the big play at times. I think the Browns can beat them. I think that's a winnable game, certainly, uh, especially because it, it, that's the first one, right? Coming out of the bye, coming off the two weeks, you go to Miami. You got to get that one, and then whatever happens at Buffalo, so be it. And then you got to get the last one, like you said, at home against Tampa Bay, who's not playing well at all right now. They're a mess. But absolutely, that, that shines the light right on this Dolphins game. Uh, I don't know what the the acquisition of Jeff Wilson, I don't know if that really changes them very much, Barry. Uh, he's not like a, he doesn't strike me as an elite runner by any stretch of the imagination, mm. but just kind of a, a back. Uh, he has some history with uh, their head coach, obviously, McDaniel, uh, out in San Francisco. So uh, that's probably why they made that move. But Chubb is a huge move for that, their defense. Um, but I, I, you know, they when they played Pittsburgh, they looked awful, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I watched that game, and I was like, man, you know, the Dolphins have looked really, really great at times, and they're super difficult to defend. You've got Waddle, you've got Hill, that you know, two of the fastest guys in the NFL on the same offense. But I watched that Pittsburgh game, and they looked terrible. I mean, uh, Tua tried to throw four interceptions, and Pittsburgh dropped all four of them. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, I mean that. So you never know what you're going to get uh, week in, week out, but it certainly helps. I think, Barry, that they're coming off a bye and should have a good game plan in place. And they've stacked two good defensive performances in a row coming into that one. So you kind of got to build off of that, I think. Absolutely. Uh, A a question from Red Leader. 
He asked, does Miami remind you of Cincinnati at all? And uh, Brad, hopefully you've done a little homework on Miami because I've done very little homework on Miami. That's, that's next week's show. Um, you know, are there similarities there that the Browns could take advantage of? Obviously we've had Cincinnati's number. Yeah. I can't say that we've had Miami's number. Yeah, I don't know if there's uh, other many similarities except for that they just have tremendous weapons, right? Like, you know, both teams have tremendous uh, receiving core. And I think that would be the main similarities there. But schematically and whatnot, I don't see a ton of similarities. Um, you know, a lot of what Cincinnati does relies a lot on their talent, right? And, and that kind of showed through the other night. And, and more about the Jimmys and Joes and less on the X's and O's. I think that... Uh, Miami is has a good scheme, and they will uh, be more effective uh, probably as far as getting the ball out against our pass rush, getting the ball out quick, getting the ball into their speedsters' hands faster when the, when the rush is coming. So I, I wouldn't necessarily draw a parallel there, but they certainly both have uh, dynamic weapons, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be interesting. We will spend next week picking that game apart to the point where you will not even really need to watch the game. You can just go based on what we yep. said is going to happen and that'll <laughs> yep. happen. Just like last <laughs> week, just like last week, uh, a bunch of OBR people, including yours truly, uh, uh, predicted the Browns to win and beat Cincinnati. If you look elsewhere, there wasn't a lot of those predictions uh, out there. So, you know, we're going to toot our own horn a little bit here. Um, and I was very optimistic heading into this game for absolutely no discernible reason at all i just thought we were going to win uh, i yeah. thought the ball was going to bounce our way and it finally did finally did hey shout out to kevo 680 also for gifting some subscriptions again thank you sir uh we've got uh, quite the hype train running i'm not looking at uh twitch right now but uh on twitch if you sell enough you know, subscriptions enough guys donate to the show you get this thing called a hype train and it's pretty cool um nothing like that in uh uh, in YouTube, tragically, but uh, uh, we're very happy for our YouTube visitors as well. Superfly Rob points out that I was suffering from bourbon optimism during that Cincinnati game and before the Cincinnati game. Um, I, I suffer from bourbon optimism quite a quite a bit, actually. <laughs> uh, anything seems possible after a couple of bourbons, but uh, sure. Uh, for once, I was right. For once, I was right. Um, let's talk about. Uh, uh, Another topic, a little bit different, you know, Andrew Barry today was talking about um, uh, 2023 uh, a little bit. And uh, obviously, you know, they won't come out and say it, that they're not focused on 2022. They're focused on 2023. But, uh, you know, he talked a bit about building momentum toward the end of the season, right? And the idea is always that that momentum carries over to the next year. Brad, do you believe in that at all? No. Do you think <laughs> I, I'm, I'm with you hundred percent. Why, why don't you believe in it? Um, Cause I mean, I think there's a pretty, the history has shown us that each NFL season is its own entity. Uh, you block it off the beginning and the end. And that season is its own entity. It stands alone that team in, in 21 verse 20 
although the, the sum of the roster may be the same, is maybe be completely different uh, in the outcomes and what they do. Uh, they're they're their own entity. You cannot carry, as we've seen many times. Like uh, a good example would be. Um, when San Francisco won all those games at the end of the year when they acquired Jimmy Garoppolo. It's a very parallel situation to this one with Watson. And they won all those games and all the hype. They were going in with Garoppolo, right? But they started off and they looked terrible that year. So, And uh, you can even use a Browns example with Mangini, right, where they won all those games at the end of that one Mm -hmm. season going into the next year. It just doesn't carry over. Momentum doesn't carry over. However, I do think in this situation with – Watson, certainly those games are important to evaluate what's around him, what works, all those type of things. But can you win a bunch of games and carry momentum into 23? No, I don't believe in that. Can you take a lot of information from what you learn with the six games you get with him? Sure, I think that's valuable. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. I don't, I don't think you have momentum from game to game, you know, yeah. much less yeah. season to season in the NFL. Everything is its own separate entity as you said, Brad, and, uh, you know, you're, you're starting fresh as soon as that ball kicks off. Uh, the best thing we can have is a healthy team uh, yeah. as we start off 2023 with a healthy Deshaun Watson uh, and getting him some experience in the system and working with Stefanski uh, is, you know, is going to be absolutely great. Uh, but, you know, uh, let's uh, l- let's not expect that week one he's going to come out and, you uh, just dominate everything you know it's not going to be like that there's going to be some rust he has to get off he has to get used to this system browns are very confident in him it seems from barry's comments today but uh yeah do do you agree do you think do you foresee a slow start for for watson i think so I, i think it would be kind of uh wild to expect anything less than a little bit of a slow start like i don't think it'll take him too long but I mean, until he gets hit hard a few times and, and really gets back in there. I mean, two two years, two plus years now, right? That's a long time without live football reps. So um, I think there certainly will be some rust. But that you know, that's the, another thing that these six games are good for, right? You know, he'll at least be able to knock some of that rust off. Um, now, if they're in it, <laughs> if they're right in the thick of it, that's a, that's another discussion, right? But mm. uh, as far as looking forward, like Barry is towards 2023, um, I think that Andrew Barry, not you, Barry, Andrew <laughs> Barry is looking towards 2023. Uh, I think that probably getting him out there and getting those live reps, knocking that rust off is a huge thing for them. Um for sure. But, you know, for those of us that still have our, our sights set on uh, hopes of 2022, we would like to see him step out there and start, you know, firing uh, on uh, all cylinders right away. How That's not very realistic, though, I don't think. No, it's not. But, you know, either way, you know, Andrew Berry was very clear today that when Watson is available, He's Watson playing. starts. So let's not see any of the clickbait out there going, oh, should we keep reset or whatever? You know, it's a bunch of hooey. Deshaun yep. Watson is a unique, different animal, and uh, uh, they're going to play him when they get him. And uh, I think that's wise. I think that's wise. Uh, some conversation in the chat about uh, our, our little discussion about momentum. Uh, and Dr. Nico asked, you know, saying we shouldn't count on momentum for Woods, putting together two defensive, you know, gems in a row for that team. 
How do, how, do, how do you like that, Brad? He's getting Joe Woods getting shout outs on national TV for the job that he's done, not the opinion here in Cleveland. Um, I, I have this question as well for Fred when Fred gets here, but um, do you think that the Cincinnati game was a turning point or do you see anything that indicates to you that, that it looks kind of like a fluke? Uh, I don't think it's a fluke. I think that they just match up really well with Cincinnati. Like, you know, we were talking before the game and I was just kind of like, I just have a strangely good feeling about this game, you know? And I think there is something to a little bit of like some teams just match up really well with other teams. Mm -hmm. Like the the Browns pass rush has always caused problems for the the Bengals offensive line. Um, And so, and Joe Woods has had success against them before. So he can kind of call on that success week nine last year, a 41-16 victory. He can call on some of the things that worked then and then, you know, mix that with a little bit of what they're doing against this year's team. No Jamar Chase, right? No Denzel Ward. People are like, oh, cancel that out. But what they don't realize is Denzel Ward was not playing very good football when he even was right. in there. So, you know, it's not so much a, a fair <laughs> a fair trade there for the Browns. Uh, you get good performances from your young corners. Um, I think they kind of have a formula they like to beat the Bengals. Stefanski hasn't lost to them yet. Burrow hasn't won. So mm-hmm. I think they kind of call on that, and I think that is a little bit real. Like, you know, just some teams just match up better with other teams. I think that may be the case with the Browns. Now, is that always going to work out that way? No. Sure, I'm sure someday Burrow's going to light us up. But um, it worked out this time. Um, I think if there was a turning point for the defense, Barry, I think it probably happened in the Ravens game. I thought they played a pretty good defensive game there. And if they're going to build on, it's not so much momentum, but like stopping the downfall mm-hmm. and, and kind of just stacking good games on top of each other. Not so much momentum from week to week, but like they are feeling more confident about who they are identity-wise what their jobs are on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and of course you're going to, they're going to play better the more confident they are. So coming off a good confidence uh, win like this, I think can help them moving forward. So is it a turning point for the defense? I think the turning point may have happened a week earlier and we're mm-hmm. reaping the benefits of it this week a little bit and the matchup. I think the matchup plays to our favor. Yeah. You know, it's this time about this time last year, the defense started turning around Same thing. And, and had much better performances toward the end of the year. Uh, Joe Woods uh, needs to figure out how to have that game one. I don't know what the trick is, what he's doing yep. in the middle of the season, but uh, I hope you're right. I hope the Ravens was really the turnaround and, you know, we're, we saw a continuation of that against Cincinnati, but I tell you, um, you know, Martin Emerson, what a draft pick that was, you know, um, just key. And nobody knew who he was when they drafted him. I mean, draft experts did and you know so on and so forth but most people fans like myself you know yeah Martin Emerson, i didn't who's that but heck of a game on his part you know this this last monday he has been uh such a bright spot on that defense and he like the way martin emerson plays is like the identity i want that entire defense to take on right like he is such a bulldog he's always in somebody's face he's aggressive he tackles well he just is real like even as a rookie like you want him to be like 
the way he plays, you want everybody on that defense to play that way, right? He's mm-hmm. always flying around. He's always in somebody's face. He's very aggressive. Like, that's Brown's football. You want that from him. He's been amazing. His story's great. Like, they got beat up at Mississippi State, but he was playing the best wide receivers in the SEC every week, one-on-one. I mean, his first game he ever started, he said, was against LSU, Justin Jefferson, and Jamar Chase. That's crazy, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, so his experience, he's not afraid of any of these guys, right? He's played them all before in the SEC. So, um, But his mentality and confidence uh, sure, certainly rubs off. And uh, he's been a – what a bright spot. What a great draft pick, certainly. And, I, you know, Taki Taki also had a little bit of a coming out party. Amazing um, game. Getting more opportunities uh, with, uh, you know, injuries in the linebacking core, you know. Yeah. But really showed what he could do. Really wants to play Mike if he can. Um, and, again, you know, late to uh, – a little bit of a late bloomer in this case, but uh, I was very, very happy to see him excel on Monday night. Yeah, he's been uh, he's been one of those guys, right, that whenever he's got an opportunity, he's done his job most of the time, at, you know, playing Sam uh, in on, you know, base, just cut playing rundowns, right? But when they he's been asked to cover, he's done a pretty decent job. Um, I think he's earned, uh, you know, I don't know what, of course, they're going to probably put JOK in there when he's healthy, but uh at the mic but i mean it feels like he's earned an opportunity barry like i mean Mm -hmm. he's played so well in the absence of anthony walker this year and uh now jacob phillips who was not good at all um but you know he's played so well in his absence it feels like he's earned an opportunity there to be on the field all the time for at least in my opinion uh i agree completely and it makes me feel a lot better about the browns linebacking core even though the team does not seem to uh emphasize that position all that much no uh not like acquiring Roquan Smith or something crazy like that uh with a second and fifth round pick yeah um let's talk a little bit about the news from yesterday uh uh, the Browns stayed pat at the trade deadline um never got close to compensation for Kareem Hunt uh that they wanted uh they obviously had him out there in the market as, as Brad Steinbrook broke a couple of weeks ago. Um, it, it looks like they were evaluating things on sort of a case-by-case basis. Well, if we get enough for Kareem, we'll deal him. If we can get this guy for cheap enough, you know, maybe we'll do it, that sort of thing. Do you think that's the right strategy, or would you have gone into this if you were Andrew Berry as a, definitively a buyer or a seller? Um, no, I – yeah – I think he handled it well. Okay. You know, I, of course I, as a Browns fan, I would have loved for them to go out and gotten somebody to help this team. Right. You always want that as a fan. Um, but I think his approach was okay. And, and I think even after that win in the role that Kareem Hunt played in on Monday night, like if it would send a really bad message to turn around and trade him right after that, I think to the locker room. Uh, how do you, I mean, how do you explain that to your players? I know they know it's a business, but to a certain extent, like that's a bad look for a Mm -hmm. team that you're trying to have hang in a divisional race. I think. Right. Right. Um, Uh, I, I, I'm going on to YouTube because, uh, apparently there are hot girls, uh, according to the comments coming in on, on YouTube. So golly gosh, almighty, you've been blocked, pal. No spammers in our chat. Oh. All right. Uh, porn bots, porn <laughs> yeah, bots in some, the chat. Some sort, of, some sort of porn bot uh, yeah. visited us. Uh, so we, obviously 
this show is making a mark if we're getting the porn bots. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. People people want our audience. Um, you know, it, here's a good question, and we don't have the answer for you yet. Um, we will dig into this as much as we can, but Andrew Berry made a reference that they were close to acquiring somebody if they got the compensation right. And I agree with Ty Sox that an interior defensive lineman um, in particular uh, would have been uh, valuable. But I think this information is going to be really hard to get because they're not going to want anybody looking over their shoulder saying, oh, they almost displaced me. You know, Uh, maybe it'll it'll come out. But uh, defensive lineman, as Red Leader points out, a a wide receiver would have been a pickup. but they just couldn't get compensation on it. So they were almost buyers at the market. Uh, but uh, uh, I, I, <laughs> I think that uh, uh, it'll be a little bit of a challenge getting that information. But we'll do our best. Uh, OG Philly, I think, properly blames Garage Beers Mike for the infestation of porn bots into the yep. site. Uh, I will Probably. discuss that with Mike right after the show. Probably after his fault. Discussing. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, at any rate... Um, I, I personally think that Andrew Barry got it right. You know, yeah. um, I don't think we know what happens with the season. I don't think that we're ready to give up on the season. Now, he said the Cincinnati game didn't move the needle that much one direction or another. And I don't know how, um, you know, uh, how clear he's being on that. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think he would go out there and say, oh, if we lost, we would have traded everybody, you know. Right. Um so he's not going to do that sort of thing, but uh, I think they're opportunistic. I think they've always been opportunistic, you know, about free agents, about trades, look at the Amari Cooper thing. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, not necessarily making a deal for the sake of making a deal. It's just not Andrew Berry's modus operandi. Um, so at, yeah. at least as far as I know. Yeah. I don't think it would, I think it would have been a player Barry probably that like, maybe he's not on anybody's radar as necessarily like, you know, on the list of players that were available at the trade deadline. It probably was like a younger player that had a couple years on his deal because he wouldn't make a deal for a rental. That's just not Andrew Barry's style. It would have mm-hmm. been somebody that he thinks can help the roster for a couple years. So I doubt they're like any of those buzz names that we saw on the list for trade deadline moves. Like Brandon cooks was rumored to the Browns. You look at his contract that that's not really realistic, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's due 18 million guaranteed again next year. They're, of course, they're not going to add that on, right? You know what I mean? To what they're already paying Cooper and and what they will have to pay in, in salary next year. So guys like that that were uh, expecting to get moved or potentially get moved to the deadline, I don't think Barry necessarily uh, just navigates in those circles of names, right? I think he probably was looking at somebody – a young player that maybe they could help him for a couple years. And that's the only kind of move I could see him making at, at, at this deadline, especially, you know, in a couple years, if you're going all in, then a rental maybe makes a little more sense, you know, a later round draft pick for a guy like, like the Eagles did right to get a pass rusher or whatever that maybe makes more sense. But when you're, you're two and five now three and five, it doesn't make much sense to go out and get a rental. I agree with that. Apparently the Ravens uh, disagree. Uh, They went out and got Roquan Smith. They see a window of opportunity with Cincinnati's early struggles. I think Uh, they gave up a second and a fifth 
Yep. They'll probably get a comp- compensatory third rounder back. So it's not that expensive. It's kind of expensive, but not that expensive. And so they're going for it this year. And yeah. uh, the Browns just didn't see themselves in the exact same place. Of course, the Ravens have uh, an upcoming contract negotiation uh, with uh, Lamar Jackson coming up. That'll be interesting. And uh, as Ian Bitts points out in chat, uh, Smith is going to have some uh, salary demands of his own. So oh, I don't sure. see the I don't see the Ravens keeping him. Don't see him keeping him keeping him at all. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about that Monday night game. Um, yeah, a lot of highlights from that yeah. game. A lot of wonderful moments. Uh, I would like to uh, ask you what your favorite moment from that game was. So I think my favorite moment, like in a fun way, that was the best moment was Garrett and Taki Taki. Garrett gets a sack, Taki Taki's in there, and they try to do the thriller dance, right? Like (laughs) next to each other, or whatever they were doing out there. That was pretty funny. That was one of my favorite moments. Uh, I think that uh, the James Hudson block on the two-point conversion, of course, it, one of my fav- favorite moments as a football, like, you know, a football, football guy was the end of the first half, the way that Stefanski and everybody really uh, managed that field goal miss, 40 seconds left, managed the clock, went down, kicked a field goal, right to go into the half. We've been on Kevin and this team for situational football for weeks, Barry, and they finally, like, they nailed the situational foot a- football aspect of the end of that half, doubling down. You know, he always talks about doubling up with points, getting the ball in the second half. They played that perfectly to go in the locker room, 11 nothing, no time on the clock. So I, I, I think that as much as we've been on them about situational football, we should say – Kudos, they handled that one very well. Yeah, they really did. They really did. And, you know, that's when you got the sense, I think, really, that this was the night was going to go the Cleveland Browns way when they were yeah. able to push that out to 11 to nothing. Uh, <laughs> Superfly Rob points out that uh, Cooper's fingertip catch, another great moment. Uh, the uh, His pass, not such a great moment. No. But fortunately, we can laugh about it now because we won, right? Yeah. My uh, my my favorite moment of the night, and uh, I, I posted this in our Buzz forum. If you're not a subscriber, let me know, and I'll uh, I'll retweet it or or whatever, so you can see it if you haven't already. Um, OG Philly says it's the Chubb hurdle, which was another great moment. My favorite moment from the game was um, when AJ Green intercepted the pass. Yes, uh, and he was running down the sideline, and Joe Burrow was taking an angle to try to get in his way or do something with him. And he looked over his shoulder and he saw that Miles Garrett was about a foot and a half to two feet behind him, ready to block him. And Joe Burrow just fled. There's, there's, there's no other word for it. He just, he turned on the jets. He, he, he forgot all about AJ green. He was just trying to avoid uh, Miles Garrett. I just thought it was hilarious. If you haven't seen the video, go out and search it out or I'll, posted for you it was actually a lot of uh uh it was a lot of fun the whole game was a lot a lot of fun um well we are expecting expecting the addition of fred greetham any moment here but uh without fred uh here so far uh i want to start talking about some of the questions and comments which have come in through the chat that i've been saving up uh throughout the night if you've got more fire them off 
and uh, we would love to talk about him here. Um, uh, Fumble 13 also says it's killing him that he doesn't know who they were close to acquiring. If, if anybody finds out, it would be one or maybe it will be us or maybe one or two other people might get it. Uh, I'd say keep an eye on Rumor Central. If we get it, you'll get it. Um, Tony kind Kane, of, uh, go ahead. Kind of out of character for Barry to uh, just just trickle that little bit of information out there just to keep everybody on, <laughs> on their toes, not knowing uh, who it was. It was kind of cruel of him to do that, wasn't it? Yeah, he, uh, uh, you know, he might have us all in a wild goose chase. He <laughs> might. You never know. That might be he a might. joke. You know, who knows? But uh, we'll dig. We'll dig. Yeah. Uh, Tony, we asked, we answered this question, I think a little bit earlier, uh, and we are certainly hoping that it's not a fluke. Uh, I think Brad made a great point that it might, the turnaround might've come during that, uh, uh, during that Ravens game. Um, let's talk about, uh, the offensive line. The offensive line was dominant and the, the Bengals have had problems with injuries in their interior, uh, defensive line granted. Uh, but they're pretty talented at the edge uh, with Hendrickson uh, in particular, having a fantastic year last year, out of his mind. Um, but we did very, very well. The Browns did very, very well protecting Brissett, giving him lots of time, opening holes in the run game, you know, Hudson smashing innocent bystanders yes. uh, into the dust. You know, it was a fantastic game. And Ethan Posick uh, obviously um, – Playing better than expected. We were expecting Nick Harris to be in that position. Do you think he's sticking around for a year or two? I do. I sure hope so. He has been a revelation. Uh, he has been fantastic. Fit right in on that offensive line beautifully. Uh, he's played great football. You see him up there. Uh, smart guy calling out protections. Uh, he's been fantastic. So. You know, he didn't miss a beat. He was ready to go when Harris got hurt. Unfortunately, you feel bad for Harris because he was there, what, uh, all year, all offseason, uh, getting bigger and working on his craft. So you felt terrible for him, but but Pochiska has been fantastic. And uh, if they can extend him, keep him around at a reasonable rate or whatever A.B. thinks is reasonable, then that's great. I'm all for it. Um, you were talking about the plays of that game. Hendricks... Uh, I saw on I was watching another show, but Hendrickson got nailed by uh, Batonio right in the ribs when he was engaged with uh, uh, Hudson. I think on uh, the end there, and uh, that kind of took him out of the game. The rest of the game, he was on the sideline getting rubbed mm. down and everything. So it was a clean play. Uh, Batonio just came off. He was helping the center and went back and just kind of cracked him right in the side with his, when his arms were up and uh, kind of took him out of the rest of the game. It was interesting. Yeah. Um, two things. I guess my first comment is that Batonio had a heck of a game too. He uh, did. You, you got to give him credit. And granted, um, the interior of the, uh, the Bengals defensive line was banged up, but Batonio did everything you asked of him, at least that I could see on, on uh, the television. Um and uh, as far as our center, uh, yeah. certainly hoping to see him extended. There is an item, I believe, in either Rumor Central or ATI from Lane yeah. that if you're a subscriber, you're going to want to check out uh, talking a little bit about him. Uh, and I don't know if he's ready to come on board yet, but if not, he's going to find himself live on our stream shortly. <laughs> it is 
Mr. Freddie Greedham. Welcome, Fred. How you doing, sir? Hey, good evening, guys. Better late than never, huh? <clears throat> exactly. We've been waiting for you. We've been saving up some questions for you. And since you're here right now, uh, let's get you into the conversation talking about uh, the Cleveland Browns center, uh, Ethan Pochick, and uh, his performance this year. What do you do if you're the Cleveland Browns? You got Nick Harris, who apparently was going to be the guy. And, you know, do you extend, uh, you know, our current center based on his performance? Well, I, I don't think you, <clears throat> if it's not broke, you know, don't fix it. <laughs> so if, you know, I know that Harris, you know, fifth round pick would be a lot cheaper, but I think he's in his third year. So, I mean, he's only got another year left. You know, I don't think it, <clears throat> where would you been if you didn't have somebody else? And I guess they would have to project as Posick playing better than Harris would have. If Harris is a better center, then then you go back to him, but mm -hmm. you know, I, I guess it all depends on the terms, you know, and so forth with, with the guy, they got, they got room and they got to pick and choose, but in talking to him, he seems to like it here. It's, you know, he doesn't strike me as a last dollar guy, but yeah, yeah I think he's established himself and he's got the rest of the year. Really. I think it's a little too soon, you know, to, you know, to say that he's the answer, but <clears throat> if, if they feel he is, I'm sure they'll be talking to him. You know, it's like they, they signed him like to backup type money. I right. think a one year deal. So he's not going to take that next year after assuming he continues this performance. He's also 28 years old, as was pointed out in the chat versus Harris being 23. Um, I, if I were him at that age in the game of football, I'd be looking for a payday uh, after this year, and so it may just be a little bit, a little bit too expensive. The other thing about him, and I'll throw this to you first, Brad. Do you think uh, it might be a little bit of fool's gold in the uh, context that he is playing between Wyatt Teller and Joel Petonio, two Pro Bowlers? Isn't anybody playing center going to look a lot better? playing between those two guys. Yeah, that and uh, being coached by uh, Coach Callahan as well, right? All three uh, things make, uh, you know, you wonder what a factor that is. But it seems like anybody that comes here and plays with the Browns gets coached by Callahan and plays with this offensive line, leaves a better offensive lineman in general. So whoever gets him, uh, I think it will get a good center. I don't think that's the question. The question is, don't oh, you know? Make sure you don't overvalue him because of where he's playing, right, and who he's playing between. I think, I think he's good. The question is how good, right? Uh, because of his surroundings. Right, right. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the about the defense. And Fred, before you arrived, uh, Brad made the point that he thought the turnaround for the defense really started happening during the Ravens game, and we saw a continuation of against the, uh, against the Bengals. Um, one thing, and I'm not sure it's come out, uh, but you know we're hearing you know, various buzz that uh, players have asked Woods to play a little bit more man, you know, to be a little bit more aggressive, perhaps. Have you heard any of that sort of buzz, Fred, or are they keeping quiet about all that 
internal discussion <clears throat> in Berea? Well, they always tell the company line, you know, so, I mean, I've heard the same thing you have, but as far as the, you know, it, when it's, when it's working, everybody, you know, gives too much credit to the coach. And when it's not mm -hmm. working, they give too much, you know, blame on the coach. I remember the first six, seven games last year, Woods was the biggest buffoon in the NFL. And right. then the second half, they turned it around and whether it was just the player started playing or what, there was a pass because you had almost all new guys. Right. And then when they, and, and then, so you bring them all back and you assume you pick up where you left off and then it's been anything but that the defense has been the problem up until the last two games, the defense cost you two, three of those losses for sure. So, <clears throat> you know, now, Maybe they're more built for the division, you know, they're mm -hmm. <laughs> for shutting down Lamar Jackson, shutting down, you know, uh, Joe Burrow, or maybe they're just motivated more when they play those games. And, and so you got a problem with, uh, you know, self-motivation or just getting up to play it, you know, because right. they were cornered. You know, I felt the the team was their back was in a corner, and they came out and played. I didn't see that type of game coming, but now that right. you saw it, okay. If you shut out Joe Burrow and the Bengals, yeah, they didn't have Jamar Chase, but if you shut them out, basically the game was over when they got their two garbage touchdowns. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> you shut Joe Mixon down to thirty-seven yards or something. I mean. So, you know, they can do this. We saw it last year and you saw it this year in that game. So I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. If it's just lack of motivation to go out and every week do it. Andrew Barry talked today about consistency. He said mm -hmm. that several times. That's the only thing separating from them being a good defense is do it every week. And that's pretty obvious. <clears throat> I guess a, another question too. Uh, this comes from Ty Sox fifteen. Uh, is whether Kevin Stefanski, who seemed to have a little bit of a laissez-faire approach to uh, the defense, you know, from fifty thousand feet, not inside the building, right? Uh, seemed like he was more focused on the offense. He let Joe Woods do the defense, right? Uh, whether he's gotten more involved, um, I don't know if we know that. They certainly wouldn't talk about it. But, Brad, would you see an advantage to Stefanski, you know, inserting himself a little bit more in the uh, defensive side of the ball, you know, knowing the offense like he does? Yeah, I mean, he probably, I'm sure, as the head coach, uh, after he's done, you know, watching film of his opponent for the week, says, hey, you know, here's some things I saw and this and that. But it feels like he gives most of that uh, control to Joe Woods. It just kind of feels like a uh, – uh, I'm sure he has some input. He's the head coach of the football team. But it feels like it's Joe Woods' show. I, I think he probably lets him run run a show for the most part. I, I, I don't know. Fred, you would probably know better than any of us. I don't know. Uh, but that's the feeling I get. He has Stefanski he... said anything about that, Fred? No, um, he just said he's always involved in those type things. But, yeah, I mean, he's the head coach. So if he says, hey, Joe, I want you to be a little more aggressive, you know, they're going to do that. But they don't ever communicate that to us or the media. You know, it's just kind of a 
internal, you know, matter. But Woods, when he talks to us each week, he talks about wanting to be aggressive. And but I get the idea he is afraid. He doesn't totally trust some of the younger guys like Martin Emerson and Man that you know, they'll make a mistake and they'll have an 80 yard touchdown or something. But mm-hmm. I think you saw that last year with JOK. Um, as the season went on, he had more and more confidence and trust in him and he turned him loose a little more. And, and I think they got burned early with Del Pitt and some of these. So I just think it's been close to the vest, but I think that if you got Greg Newsom, Martin Emerson, Denzel Ward, if he plays, you got guys that can play man to man that would help you in the running game, you know, just Mm -hmm. take care of your guy. And uh, so hopefully they've, they've kind of figured it out. I mean, I can't find any fault. In fact, I don't know where Taki Taki's been, but maybe they may should use him more in in the run defense. He seems like, you know, he was all over the field, you know, now that he's Mm -hmm. getting more of a chance to play. So, um, you know, that's what they need. They need somebody, you know, guys to step up in, in some of those, you know, non-marquee positions. Absolutely. Uh, you know, they've invested heavily in uh, edge rusher, you know, and cornerback. And, you know, showing an obvious, I think, belief that this is a passing league. But uh, Taki Taki, uh, if he's a late bloomer, could turn out to be a fantastic uh, fantastic find for the Cleveland Browns here. Hey, I think his third year. Go ahead, Brad. Uh, to your point about them, you know, uh, allocating funds as if it's a passing league. I think they kind of miscalculated this offseason a little bit as mm-hmm. far as the way they built this defense. It feels like a defense that was built to stop the Joe Burrows of the world, the uh, – uh, Chiefs, the B- Bills, the high-powered passing offenses of the world, and what they ran into early in the season was a bunch of teams with middling, mediocre quarterbacks and that ran the ball a lot. And mm-hmm. I don't think they invested a lot in the interior defensive line because they didn't think that was going to have to be a, a point of emphasis. Same thing a little bit at linebacker. They're light at linebacker, right? And they kind of got exposed that way by run games. Points are down in the NFL, and here we are with a defense that was geared up to stop a ton of pass. Not that that's mm-hmm. trending the opposite <clears throat> way, but it feels like a little bit of a miscalculation in the way they built this defense. Yeah, it reminds me it, of that it seems... old phrase about, you know, always fighting the last war, right? Yeah. The uh, well, NFL it's... always changes. Go ahead, yeah, Fred. It, you know, it seemed like that tide turned about when the Falcons gave the ball to the practice squad guy and he ran – all the way down the field, like 10, 11 plays for 75 yards. And then chargers did it. And uh, Barry was asked about that today. He didn't say they miscalculated or anything. He just basically um, took the approach. Yeah. Our defensive style is speed as opposed to size. And we talked about it all off season. It seemed like you need to have a big, you know, a big bellied guy in the middle somewhere to stop the run because when all your guys are under 300, they're just pushing them off the ball. I mean, Winfrey's like 290, Brian's 290. I think Elliot was the only one I saw and they got him at 303. And I don't know if he's 303. Right. Um, so yeah, I and like to Brad's point is the JOKs, the Phillips uh, to, to 
chase down the quarterback and you got to have that, but you got to also be able to stop the run between the tackles. They've done a better job. I mean, they shut Jackson down. And if you tell me that you would have controlled Jackson and Burrow, but you couldn't control Bailey Zappi and, <laughs> you know, some of the other guys they lost to, you know, that that's hard to, hard to fathom for sure. Yeah, that's that's difficult. Hey, I've had this question up on the screen here for a little while as we're talking about linebackers with with Taki Taki. Uh Deion Jones, uh late acquisition came in. Uh Fred, I got two questions for you. Uh first of all, do we know if he's uh Jones is wearing the green dot for sure, or is that uh JJ? Uh and then the second question is uh what do you think about his performance so far? Well, you know, it's he didn't, he had to play when Phillips got hurt the first week. I think he had 33 snaps and I was just looking at some of the breakdown that Jake and some of the guys had, and they kind of were saying, you know, his shoulder was hanging and he didn't look like he was mm-hmm. right. So um, I tried to watch the other night and I, I seemed to think he looked like he was pretty active. He had a sack and looked pretty good there. And I think he had five, six tackles. Um, so I think he's that veteran presence. Barry said, you know, that's what they wanted out of him to come in, you know, help be a leader on, on that defense guy with some experience. So I don't know. I mean, I think that he's serviceable. I don't know if he's a long-term answer or not, but I think he, I think he's definitely playing better than Jacob Phillips was. Yeah. Uh, And not to the degree that maybe Anthony Walker is yet, but I don't know. He said he's been the green dot throughout his career. So I can't imagine, you know, him not being one, but I don't know what he did the other day. They don't, Mm -hmm. you know, they don't really talk about those things. Yeah. We, we have, we've had no open uh, sessions since the game. I mean, we had, and he wasn't one of the guys talking. So okay. we'll find out, you know, as time goes on, but. There you go. Well, Brad, you know, same question on Deion Jones, you know, actually let me twist it up a little bit. Assuming he continues a relatively high level of play. Is he a guy you look at extending next year or, uh, or not, or do you think he'll want too much money uh, in 2023? I don't I don't know if you uh extend him. He kind of feels like a uh a stopgap there. Um I think they'll probably evaluate where Walker's at injury-wise. I mean, he was having a career year before he got hurt, so I think you at least want to see where he's at injury-wise coming back in 2023 uh cuz you know, he certainly was playing terrific in this defense before he got hurt. But uh, Deion Jones feels like an uh, like break, uh, you know, what is it? Uh, break glass in case of emergency type right. guy this year. And uh, after this year, I, I don't know if he uh, is with the Browns or not. You know, he's a veteran. He knows where to be in the right spots and things like that. He's played in uh, a lot of defenses. He was a, a, a all pro guy or a pro bowl guy early in his career and then kind of got thrust into when they switched from a 4-3 to a 3-4 in Atlanta he was playing out of position a little bit and and didn't look very good after that um but 
I mean, he's doing the job right now, right? Uh, you know, you just ask him to kind of be in the right spot and be a vet, smart veteran football player, and, and that's good enough to fill that role for the moment, I think. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, let me put up a comment here from uh, Mo Onions <laughs> uh, off of YouTube. And uh, Mo is not a believer in Kareem Hunt, Fred, uh, that he thought nobody would want Kareem Hunt uh, and that's why, you know, the Browns didn't make a deal. Do you agree with that? Do you, do you think his value is, is low? I mean, it's been a few years since that incredible rookie campaign that he's had, and he's been playing back up to, uh, to Nick Chubb. Uh, do you think maybe we overvalued him here in Cleveland in terms of what we should get for him in terms of draft uh, compensation? No. I mean, I think that for what the Browns – you know, envision the signal is, is that they still have everything in front of them. Despite three and five, you can win the AFC North. You're going to have to win games in the division. You're going to have to win some out of it as well, but because they have went through the first round and, and came out of it two and one, I really think they can win the division. You, I think you can maybe even win a division with a nine and eight record, if you win the right games, um, it's similar to when Kozar was a rookie and they won it with eight and eight because nobody's really running away. But with that said, um, I said this several times, if you're going to get a fifth, sixth round draft pick, big deal. What, what does that do for you? Get you a Perry mm-hmm. and Winfrey, you know, you're not talking about a sure shot pro bowl if, if Donovan Peoples Jones becomes a pro bowler, that's great. But if you thought he was going to be a pro bowler, you would have taken him in the first or second round. You know, you wouldn't just say, I oh, will take a flyer on a guy in the sixth round. So I don't, I'm not as enamored with draft picks. And to me, I think you're sending a signal to the team. The season's over because mm-hmm. they like hunt Chubb loves hunt. So mm-hmm. why not just see what the season plays out? They might have said, well, we'll part with him if you give us a third or fourth. And nobody did. So they said, okay. But he said they weren't close to trading him. They weren't close to trading anybody. And they had one deal to bring in a guy. But the other team, I got the idea, either the other team wanted too much or um, the guy wouldn't agree to the restructured salary or whatever it was. So, right. You know, I think I think that they're saving their chips for next year, you know, and mm. instead of renting a player now. Deion Jones might be a rental player, but I think he's in an audition stage. I think they can – I don't know if this next year was a big contract that in the trade. I don't know if it's completely voided or the Browns have the option to, to retain it or void it or how it works. But, you know, if he plays really well – it's double-edged sword. Other teams will want him. If he doesn't mm-hmm. play well, the Browns won't want him anyway. So right. he'll be motivated, I'm sure. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, after that Ravens game, there was a much publicized shouting match uh, with, uh, you know, there are intimations of what was said or some of the things that people overheard and stuff like that. But, Obviously, nerves were on edge a little bit after that fourth straight loss. Um, 
And Tysox15 wants to know, uh, and I'll point this one at you, Fred, uh, because you're the guy who actually gets to walk into the locker room, um, whether you sense any attitude adjustment uh, since that shouting match. Obviously, they seem more focused against Cincinnati, but uh, have you picked up anything like that or just not enough availability to tell? Well, everybody was kind of closed up. I just think emotions were running hot. And to be honest, I said this on the show. I think that's great because you want them to go, man, we made it through another game. We didn't get hurt. We get a big paycheck tomorrow. Let's go have lunch, you know? No, you want them at their throat, say, get it right. Let's go. Our season's on the line. And you came out here and you saw something this week. So how about doing it again? Maybe somebody should they should send somebody in the locker room to, to get them all riled up again. You know, I don't know. But I'm all for it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've got a couple more questions I want to make sure we get through. We've got a couple minutes here. We might go uh, a few minutes late if that's okay with you guys. Uh, interesting question here from Tom Stakely. He says, I was wondering, do you feel, what do you feel our record would be if we had paid Landry? If we had had that second dependable wide receiver, Brad, do you think he would have made enough of a difference to alter the outcome of any of these games we played? No, I don't think wide receiver has been an issue at all. I thought it would be before the season. Uh, but, uh, you know, first of all, Landry has been, mostly unavailable for the saints uh for most of the year so uh i doubt he would have been available for us um and secondly wide receiver has been pretty good like i thought they were gonna have an issue there with depth but uh it hasn't been an issue because donovan peoples jones and amari cooper have been excellent and david and juku and joku has been excellent so they haven't really had to get into their depth so yeah all right uh, same question to you, Fred. Do you agree with uh, Brad's take on things? Pretty much. I think Najoku's become like a de facto number two wide receiver or number three wide receiver. Mm-hmm. They're throwing to him way more than they did Austin Hooper. They're throwing to him more like a wide receiver. And so, um, yeah, wide receiver hasn't been the issue. The defense has been the issue. I mean, mm-hmm. I can point to – Chargers was a loss because of the defense. Jets was a loss because of the defense. I mean, you could argue that the offense could have scored more points, and I think they would have if you had Deshaun Watson in a couple of those games. Defense couldn't stop the Falcons. So right there's three games that the defense lost out of five. So that's not the wide receiver. All right, fair enough. Uh, But speaking of wide receivers – Anthony Schwartz does not get a uh, lot of love uh, from our chat room no. uh, or on the forums at this point uh, because uh, after that Kansas City game last year, he hasn't shown us a lot. Uh, Amatora, I, I'm probably pronouncing that completely wrong, uh, asked a question I'm going to point to you, Brad. Uh, if, if you're making those hard decisions uh, about uh, draft picks that have been brought into this team, um, you know, a couple of these guys you think uh, might be looking for, for work after the end of the year? 
uh, yeah, I, I do. I, I think all three of those names are. I have large question marks around them. I mean, Felton, I thought would be playing more of an. I mean, we, we had a Felton sighting last night, right on a, a kick return. But other than that, they have not used him at all on the offense. Swartz rightfully was pushed down the depth chart. Uh, and I think he was a healthy scratch, what, two weeks ago? Uh, and then uh, Phillips, uh, you know, uh, it's terrible that he's out with an injury, but when was forced into action was, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, just abysmal at uh, middle linebacker. So uh, I think all three of those names are question marks. The question is, will Andrew Barry be willing to get rid of his own draft picks, which we've seen he has not been uh willing to do that except for what richard lecount who ended up on your practice squad and anyway so right uh all three of those guys i don't really see a a a big uh part of the future of the browns roster uh i would agree fred any further comments on that well eventually now he's had three drafts you got to start pushing your draft picks off you know phillips you know has spent three years three years on injury reserve um, they, they value his athleticism and they just got to put him in the right role. Um, I don't know if you're ready to give up on him, but I think, I think, yeah, Felton and Schwartz, I think would be the candidates. Felton is a Swiss army knife, but they haven't been able to even use it. You know, he was a running right. back and now he's just a wide receiver and he's, they obviously didn't want him to return cause they went out and got Jakeem Grant. So. Mm-hmm. I think probably Felton and Schwartz, one or both of them, will not be back. Yeah, he's a great utility utility player, but uh, you know, with the painful baseball analogy, if you got a utility infielder who can play five position, but he's batting one fifty, you know, he <laughs> can't really get him into the lineup. Uh, Fred, let's talk a little bit about twenty twenty three as well. Um, Jadavian Clowney, I'm guessing, will not be back next year. Uh, and they're counting on these youngsters to sort of step up. Based on what you've seen so far, do you think either Alex Wright or Isaiah Thomas has a leg up in the competition to uh, uh, fight for that starting end position next year? Yeah, I think they're counting on it. I mean, as far as pass rush, I've probably seen a little more out of Thomas. As far as Wright, seen probably better run stopping, mm-hmm. you know. So maybe between them you can get something, but I was a proponent. Now you, you really to seem to get those premier pass rushers. You gotta, if you don't get them in free agency, you're probably not going to get a premier one unless you have a first round pick and they don't have one for the next two years right now. So I see that most of their marquee acquisitions coming in free agency. So yeah, clowning when he plays, he's good, but, his availability's been off and on. So hopefully they can find, I've been saying that for now two or three years. I think they hope one of those two guys is, is the answer, but I don't know if you can, I don't know if you can count on it to be opposite miles Garrett, but you got to have somebody or they're going to triple double, triple team him Mm -hmm. for the rest of his career. So at least Clowney takes some of the heat off and, you know, if they can't, if they don't think they're ready, then they'll probably get a rent a player again, one year deal with somebody like, you know, like Clowney. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you get last word, Brad. Uh, any thoughts on that question from uh, Dr. Nico? Yeah, I think they both can contribute moving forward. We saw some really good stuff from Thomas last night. Batted ball, got to the got a sack in a big spot there. Uh, they got them the ball back right before the half, like we talked about earlier, and then they went down and got that field goal. That was huge. Um, I noticed last night, too, they moved right inside towards the end of the game when they, it was a passing situation. They moved him in, into the interior, and he did a pretty good job uh, getting some push up the middle. So I like both guys as candidates for the future. Um, I can't really say, like, for sure either one is good enough to take double teams away from Miles Garrett right now in the future. But you'd like to think one of them grows into that role. As Fred said, if they're not there, you need to evaluate that and probably bring in another one-year guy just to give them a little more time if you're looking at 23. Makes total sense to me. Makes total sense to me. Hey, uh, we have uh, run out of time. We're running a little bit over here. Um, Brad, uh, I hope you... Think for a minute about what an honor this has been uh, for you uh, to be on this program. It's usually just me and Fred. You know, we've been holding down the fort here on Wednesday nights for for quite a while. And uh, what a great opportunity for you to be able to interact with Fred and I tonight. So I'm I'm sure you're very, very happy about that and honored to be here. Honored, thrilled. Uh, Thank you so much. You guys are the best. Hey, honestly, no, seriously, since... uh, since I've uh, come to the OBR, it's been nothing but fantastic. I, we've had a blast. We, we're one and zero since I came aboard. So how exactly. about that? There we exactly. go. Exactly, yeah, it's worked yeah. well. Uh, so thank you, Brad, for hanging out with us, Fred. As always, thank you for your expertise. Uh, Fred and I will be back again next week uh, to pick apart this Miami Dolphins game and any other news that happens over the next couple of days. Fred, you get to. Uh, I wouldn't say kick back a little bit, but maybe just a, a little bit during the bye week. They're they're shut down for what three or four days, right? Yeah, there's nothing that we know of through Sunday. So, yeah, yeah. Happy bye week. Exactly. Enjoy uh, enjoy a couple of days away from Berea. I'm, I'm sure you'll be you'll miss it and you'll be ready to to head back uh, uh, next week. But uh, we'll be here on Wednesday on OBR Weekly, talking about the Cleveland Browns like we always are. Thank you guys so much for all the subscriptions tonight. It was awesome. Thank you for all the comments. I couldn't get to every single one, but it was just just great content tonight from you guys. Really appreciate you participating in the show, and we will see you next week. So long. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.